Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. We are reading from verses 6 to 11. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 from verses 6 to 11. Seeing therefore it remained that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not because of unbelief. Again he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long, a time as he said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then they would not afterwards have spoken of another day. Therefore, the Jesus here that I was referring to was not the Christ, but Joshua. Hallelujah. And it says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that entered into his rest has also ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Verse 11 is our main focus for today. And it says, therefore, let us, hallelujah, let us labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's read the verse 11 once again. It says, let us labor, hallelujah, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Gracious Lord in heaven, as I ask that even as I speak your word, O God, speak through me. I ask that, Lord, you would minister to your people. Let lives be changed. Let destinies be transformed. And the name of Jesus be glorified. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we have prayed. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, just in case anybody happens to be the uh, first time here in church, or perhaps for those of us who are watching online, today happens to be the very first Sunday you happen to stumble upon our Facebook page and you chose to join us for service. Every month we love to theme our months, and the theme of this month, according to as the Holy Spirit has inspired us, is our month of rest. Hallelujah. Is our month of rest. And so all throughout the month, we've been looking at the subject of rest. What does God have an idea? Or what is God's idea behind this rest? And by the help of the Holy Spirit, we have journeyed quite a distance. Praise God. Mainly because, you know, some would think that, oh, rest is about taking a leave or taking a vacation or trying to sleep or whatever it is. But no, rest is way much deeper than that. And so for the reason of that, even as we're coming to the end of the series, the title of my sermon this morning is Walk in Righteousness. Hallelujah. Last week, we looked at what? What was the subject of last week? No, no, no. Yeah? Rest in righteousness. Hallelujah. Okay? And so today, we are looking at walk in righteousness. Praise God. Walk in righteousness. And just to give a recap, you know, all throughout the month, we've been saying that what does it mean when we're talking about this issue of rest? Praise God. What does it really mean to rest? And simply, we came to a conclusion that rest is simply being able to take confidence in the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary. Praise God. In other words, whenever you begin to meditate on what Christ has obtained on the cross of Calvary for you as a believer, you enter into that rest whereby you're no longer or your mood or your countenance is no longer dictated by what is happening around you but solely based on the knowledge that Jesus said it is finished. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. And here I said that, you know, righteousness, according to E.W. Kenyon, was that righteousness is the ability to stand before the Father's presence as though sin had never been. Praise God. As free as Adam was before he transgressed. And I remember I gave that example that when you look at the whole design of humanity, the reason why Christianity exists, the reason why Christ came, is just to restore us to how things were in the beginning. Praise God. Because God gave man, or man in this context, Adam, an instruction of all the trees in this garden, of this particular one you cannot eat. But as a result of that nature, you know, he... he satan tempted him into eating that fruit and for that reason the bible tells us that man lost his place how do we know that man lost his place number one is the fact that god had to take adam and eve away from the garden by nature god cannot behold iniquity and so for that reason it's not that god hated adam and eve no but as a result of god's nature sin cannot dwell in the same place just like darkness and light no matter how much you try to infuse darkness at the instance of light darkness must flee Praise God. They cannot cohabit together. And so God and sin cannot exist concurrently. And so for that reason, Adam was driven from the Garden of Eden. But just like every loving parent, the moment your child disobeys you, now you have to discipline that child. However, your heart is not at peace. Why? Because you want things to be as it should, just as before the child disobeyed. And so God, in his benevolent nature, began to institute a plan to redeem humanity. Praise God. To bring it to how it was from the beginning. That is the reason why Christ came. That is the message of the entirety of Christianity. Praise God. And we see here that even the Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3 from verses 21 to 26, Romans chapter 3 from verse 21 to 26, Paul was saying here, it says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. And the 22, it says, Even the righteousness of God through faith in who? Jesus Christ, not Muhammad, not anybody, but what righteousness, true faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe. He says, for there is no difference for what all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance god passed over the sins that were previously committed hallelujah in other words had christ not come sin would have still remained sin would have still been that barrier between god and man but as a result of god trying to show us the extent of his love sent his son in the nature of christ to come what take that sin that which was normally up because we understand here that the punishment for sin or the consequence of sin is death and that death is separation from the presence of god and so for that reason even christ on the earth encountered that separation 
Praise God, because on the cross of Calvary, we heard him lament and say, Eloi, Eloi, lamak sabachthani, the father, why have thou forsaken me? But the reason the father could forsake the son was because he could not behold iniquity. So just the way Adam was rendered from God, Jesus was separated from God at that particular point in time. But the good news about this reality is that it did not end there. Praise God. Because the Bible said that even Jesus, when he died, descended to take what? The dominion that already belonged to man. And he has ascended to the heavenly throne. Wherein what? He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. Praise God. And so when we look at the essence of rest, we are trying to understand what God has accomplished for you and I through that singular action of Christ coming to die for us on the cross of Calvary. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In other words, had God not initiated this redemption plan, Praise God. Had God not put this process into play, you and I would have still been in bondage. Praise God. Had God not made this step, the entirety of humanity would have still been scheduled for damnation. Praise God. Because the Bible said, like Romans that we read, it said what? All have sinned. Even the child that was yet to be born, the Bible said what? Regards that child as what? A sinner. Praise God. But the instance of Christ coming to die, that relationship, the opportunity for a relationship was already restored. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that is why you will see in 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Paul now says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. Praise God. That we may become what? The righteousness of God in Christ. And I remember I said it last week. That what is this righteousness that we are talking about? It is the fact that you and I, who originally by design were sinners, can now boldly, you know, like the song we sang this morning. It says, I enter into the holies of holies. Not by my works, but by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. That indeed, when I'm entering, just like as, as it is, when you are going to a party, and you get to the gate, and they ask you, where is your invitation? You show what, you show what the celebrant or whoever has given you as a means of invite, and you are letting. Praise God. By protocol of heaven, when we are approaching the throne of grace, we are being asked, by what reason or what invitation do you have right to approach the throne of God? We are saying that, you know, we are coming by what? The blood of the Lamb. Because that blood has become what? A propitiation for my sin. The requirement for the sin that I had committed has already been paid for. And so when the Father beholds you and I, when we approach his throne, he no longer sees me, but he sees the blood. Hallelujah. He sees the person of Christ. And that is why he gives us the confidence. That is why Jesus is now our high priest. He is before the Father making intercessions for you and I. Praise God. Am I making sense? Hallelujah. Okay. And so for that reason, you begin to realize that 
if this righteousness of a thing is what God has ordained for us, then how do we now enter into it? How do we walk in this righteousness? Because we understand fully well that righteousness is who we are before God. Or righteous, rather, is who we are before God. Hallelujah. You know, E.W. Kenyon said that until a man knows that he is righteousness of God, he will never take advantage of his privileges. He will always live in bondage to the enemy. Praise God. You know, I think I gave that example last week again about the story of um, the prodigal son. Is the reality of every Christian. Unfortunately or fortunately, the prodigal son knew who he was before the father. He knew what belonged to him. And that is why he had the boldness because the father did not say no. He had the boldness to approach the father and said, give me what belongs to me. Praise the Lord. And the father gave him, but he went ahead because he did not have that nature. He did not have that nature of God. He went ahead and lived his life in a riotous way. Praise God. But the other son, the elder son, is like many of us believers. Praise God. We assume that we know God, but yet our lives have no reflection of what it means to know God. Praise the Lord. We live with the Father. We agree that we are Christians. We profess that we are Christians. However, when you look around us, our lives has no trace of what it means to live with the Father. And that is why the elder brother of the boy was saying that I have been with you for so long, but yet you have not even killed something for me. But the Father was saying that, you know what? Yes, you have been with me for so long, but everything I have, you already have. Praise God. In other words, he was, he had it, but he didn't know that he had it. You know, I remember a, a, a very, a very funny story. Um, a friend of mine, when we were, she was actually sharing this story back in the day. You know, when we were coming to this country for, um, our master's degree and she was given, so apparently it was our very first time being on the plane. Praise God. Okay. And so for that reason, when she got on the flight, um, and the air hostesses were going down, sharing everything, you know, biscuits, food, or whatever it is, she said she didn't want any. And so for curiosity's sake, we were saying, but why didn't you want any? She said, because she thought she had to pay. Praise the Lord. She thought she had to pay and she knew how much her parents had given her as pocket money so to speak and so why would i want to waste unnecessary money on this journey knowing that this, the journey is still far praise god and that is how it is for us as believers praise god that christ has obtained for us and that is why the man of god here is saying that until a man knows what belongs to him he would always live in a disadvantaged state and that is not the design of God for you and I. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so therefore, if we are to understand who we are in Christ, then we understand that the gospel or the medium through which you and I can enter into that fullness is to understand the potency of the gospel. Praise God. In other words, the gospel is the medium through which this righteousness is communicated to anybody who is hearing. Praise God. That is why, for instance, for anybody here who is a believer, because I'll be naive to assume that we're all Christians. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. And that is why for anybody who here is a believer, the reason why you are sure of who you are is because somebody preached that gospel to you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is that through the gospel, we are able to come to the realization of who we are before the Father. Because the gospel tells us that as a result of sin, Jesus came to die. As a proof of God's love for you and I. And by reason of his death and resurrection. Anybody who believes in what he has done. Is restored to the father. Praise God. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Because ordinarily had Christ not come. You and I would have been down for damnation. Praise the Lord. But the reality of it is here that just as Paul was saying it here in Romans 1 16 verse 17, it says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes for the Jew first and also the Greek for in it is what the righteousness of God revealed. In it is the righteousness of God revealed. You cannot understand righteousness until you hear the gospel. Praise God. You cannot understand the mystery of righteousness until you embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that is the medium through which we enter into this reality. Remember the Bible that we read in Hebrews 4 verse 11. It says, because it says, Therefore let us what? And labor to enter. Praise God. That labor in other verses, let us be diligent to walk into the reality of this rest. Because the moment we enter it, we have ceased from every work. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so here I said that the gospel was designed to accomplish two things in the life of the hearer. Praise God. The gospel was designed to accomplish two things in the life of the hearer. Number one is to give salvation. Praise God. And so therefore, anybody who hears the gospel, believes the gospel and receives it, already is what? Saved. Hallelujah. But the number two, for many of us, is where the problem is. And what is that number two? Is the establishment of the kingdom mindset. Praise God. Remember, Jesus remains the template of God's idea for man. Praise God. If you want to know, if, if you are confused about how does God expect me to live, just look at the life of Jesus. Everything he did, you are capable of doing. Praise God. Every way he lived, we are capable of living because he came to show us the way. Praise God. That is why Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and what the life. Praise God. He came to demonstrate that it is possible to remain, that is possible to execute the agenda of God on this earth. Praise God. Okay. And in my notes here, I said that for many of us, we have attained stage one, but stage two appears to be a distant reality. The kingdom mindset simply indicates the establishment of a system or lifestyle that enthrones or acknowledges Jesus in all spheres of human interaction. Praise God. In other words, when you are thinking about the kingdom, it's simply meaning that everything that concerns your life, Jesus determines how it's going to go. 
That is why that popular statement is WWJD. What would Jesus do? In other words, in everything that concerns me, when you look at my career, you would see Jesus at the helm of the affairs. When you look at my family life in my marriage, you will, you would determine that Jesus is the one who dictates how I love my wife. When you look at my businesses, how I run my business, I run it in a godly way because when you say that kingdom of God has come upon the earth, is a kingdom where God or Jesus is the ruler or the one who takes reign over everything. Praise God. And so when you begin to take an x-ray of your life, you begin to ask yourself, in what area of my life is Jesus not taking supremacy over? That is the place where we need to address. Because that is the kingdom mindset. When Jesus came after he had prevailed in the wilderness, the Bible said that he began to shout what? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Praise God. That repentance was simply meaning change your mind. A new order is coming. Praise God. In other words, you used to adjust your mindset in this particular way. But I'm telling you that a new order has come or is coming because the moment I die and I rise again, that is when the kingdom of God is being made manifest. Praise God. And that is why you will see that when Christ was telling his disciples that when they were asking him to teach them how to pray, the Bible said that, and God was say, and Christ was telling them, and he said that when you pray, pray in this manner. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy word, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Praise God. In other words, just as the way God intends it, just as the way God rules over the affairs in heaven, that Lord, we want you to rule the same here on the earth. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But guess what? If the kingdom of God is to come and is will be done on the earth, it will only be as a result of men and women who are walking in righteousness. Praise God. And this can only happen as a result of a change in mindset. Praise God. Because only a changed mind can discern what God is saying. The Bible said that the things that I'm speaking to you, a carnal mind cannot discern it because it is unprofitable to them. That is why Paul was saying that what? That therefore be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because it's only then you are able to do what? Deduce what God is really saying. Praise the Lord. And I said here that, in other words, the reason why this is important is because righteous is who we are before God. But if we are going to walk in righteousness, righteousness is now the lifestyle we choose to live as a result of knowing who we are before God. There's a whole lot of difference. Because when God looks at you and looks at me, he sees me as what? Righteous. Why? Because I believe in the things that Christ has obtained for me on the cross of Calvary. But when it comes to the subject matter of righteousness, now it is up to me. Why? Because until I begin to walk in the reality of who God is to me, I tend to live short of God's expectations. Praise God. I tend to live short of what God expects of me. Hallelujah. But like I said last week, the challenge to us walking in this righteousness mindset is as a result of what? Sin consciousness. Sin consciousness. Now, it's almost like as if I'll give this example. 
for those of us who are married here, how many times have your spouse offended you and they apologized, but for some reason you haven't really accepted it? They have said sorry, they mean it genuinely. But all of a sudden, when you are talking to them, you are still saying, are you still angry? Are you still angry? Are you still angry? That is how we are before God. Because the Bible says that when we confess our sins before God, that what? He's faithful and just to forgive. So therefore, what God has forgiven, he has forgotten. Praise God. But however, we, be, we keep living our lives as God. Are you still angry at me? Because the moment something bad happens to you, you are saying, oh, it is because of what I did before. But guess what? You confessed already. Praise the Lord. For instance, you are trusting God for something. Uh, of, or, or let's say, for instance, you told a lie at an interview. Praise God. You told a lie at an interview. And now, time to get the job. You didn't get the job. You are thinking, ah, I didn't get that job because I lied. God is punishing me. And now, you say, okay, fine, you know what? I'm not going to lie again. You apply for another job. You go for the interview. You don't get the job. Your mind goes back. It's because I lied. That is why God is punishing me in this one. Praise God. Now, the question is, it becomes, or rather, it now becomes a cycle. But the reality says that we are what? Righteous before the Father. So, just as how it is that you would say sorry and genuinely mean it, because whenever we apologize, God vets our heart. The Bible said that what? I try the reins, you know what? I search the heart of man to give to them according to the works of their hands. Praise God. So therefore, however it is in your heart, God knows. If you say you are sorry and you are partially sorry, God knows. But I'm talking to those who are genuinely repentant of what they have done. If indeed you have confessed it before God and sought his forgiveness, he has truly forgiven. But the reality of it is how then can we live our lives as though we did nothing? That is what it takes to walk in righteousness. Praise God. That how can I approach the throne of the father knowing fully well that I will get what I'm asking for? Not because of what I have done, but because of what Christ has done for me. That is what it means to enter into rest. Hallelujah. That is what it means to enter into rest. Because that is the design of God. Hallelujah. And so you begin to realize here that if there's anything that we must do, is that what? We must begin to take hold of our minds. Praise God. Because that is where the challenge would always be. That's why the Bible says that what do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing. The renewing. Just as how your passport will expire, you need to renew it again for you to have a current passport. You and I, our minds, every day, we, it keeps expiring. We need to constantly renew our minds with what God is saying concerning that particular issue, concerning your life and my life, because it's only then that we are able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. And I say that the tool the enemy would use to challenge our status in Christ would always be your mind. Praise God. The tool, if the devil is going to challenge who you are before God, he would first of all start with your mind. That is why I think, think it was Solomon who was saying in Proverbs 23, he says what? Guard your heart 
It says, guard your mind because what? Out of it, out of your mind comes what? The issues of life. Praise God. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Praise God. Just as it is in your mind, so it will be in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that is why you see, I came across this statement by Christopher Dollar. You know, he said that the devil has developed a strategy against you and it is all mental. Praise God. That the devil has developed a strategy against you and I. But what? Every root of attack is what? Mental. It starts with your mind because if your mind is not right, your life can never be right. Isn't it funny that we're having a high rise in mental health issues in this day and time? Praise God. Why? Because the devil is doing whatever he can. You know, I don't tend to belittle anybody. And so please, God, I need to say it before I say what I have to say. You know, because sometimes people will think, oh, I'm making a mockery, but that's not my intention. Ideally, ideally, a child of God should not commit suicide. It's genuine. If you understood who you were before God, why should you take your life? Am I making sense? So you begin to realize that it is the devil challenging those things you believe. And for those who have taken their lives, it's only because the enemy succeeded in convincing them that they were not who they were. Praise God. And the reality of it is that Jesus went through the same thing. Jesus went through the same thing. Look at the story of the wilderness. The Bible said that the moment Satan encountered Jesus Christ, in Matthew 4 verse 3, he asked him, if you are really the son of God, did he not know who he was? Praise the Lord. But he says, if you are really the son of God, but the beauty of it is that Jesus was confident in who he was. And that is how you and I are supposed to be. That on no account should the devil convince me otherwise. Yes, I may have done things wrong in my past. But the reality of it is that the blood speaks for me. Hallelujah. The blood speaks for me at every point in time. And that is why the Bible says the enemy constantly makes accusation before us, before God. Hallelujah. You know, I listened to a, to, to a sermon within the week. And the man of God I was preaching, I can't remember who, who was preaching either. And I was saying that the reality of it is that although Satan has lost his place in heaven, he still has access to heaven. Praise God. And I will explain. Now, when he said that he has lost his place, is the fact that the authority and the position he had before God, he had lost, he has lost it forever. But the reality of it is that he still has access to God. Because the Bible said that when God was in heaven concerning the story of Job, where did Satan go? He approached God. And the Bible says in, in book of Revelations that he is constantly before the Father doing what? Laying accusations over us. Praise the Lord. But the good news is that what? We overcame him. By what? The blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. What is that testimony? What Jesus has done for me. 
Praise God. That is my testimony. That when he accuses me of the things that I have done, I am saying I'm no longer that person. That is why the Bible said that if any man is in Christ, that person is what? A new creation. That all things have passed away. Behold, I am now what? New. And so when we understand fully who we are, the enemy will never succeed. He would never succeed, but that doesn't mean that he won't stop trying. He won't stop trying. Because the Bible said that when he left Jesus, he did what? Looking for an opportune time. He would not stop. And that is why we must constantly, if we are going to walk in righteousness, we must make it a habit. It's a matter of survival. That is what I'm trying to say. It is not, no, it is no longer optional. Being born again is not a luxury. This is a matter of destiny. That if I'm going to make it out here alive, then this I must subscribe to this way of life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so the reality of that, the real spiritual warfare, walking in righteousness is what? The real spiritual warfare. Praise God. And that is why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6, it says what? For though we walk in the flesh, praise God, we do not what? War according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not what? Canal. But what? Mighty in God for pulling down of what? Strongholds. What are strongholds? Strongholds are those belief systems you have had in your mind. No matter what they say, you will never believe it otherwise. Praise God. I remember I was telling somebody that God healed a lady of A, of SS to AA. She said it can never be. That is a stronghold. Because as a result of what you have seen with your life, you are saying that it can never be. That is a stronghold. And there are certain strongholds that the enemy would use to sit on our destinies. Why? Because he knows that the moment this person is able to dislodge this mindset, everything changes. And the Bible says of what? Doing what? Casting down. Every arg- Where do arguments take place? It's in your head. And every high thing that does what? Exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is how we win this battle. This is how we walk in righteousness. That we are bringing every thought, every thought. Even when you are sick. Even when you are in pain, emotionally or physically, you are bringing every thought. Every I know it's not easy. But the Bible said that indeed that God's grace is made sufficient in our weaknesses. That is the design of God for you and I. That if we are going to walk in righteousness, this is where the warfare is. That if you win the battle in your mind, you have won the battle of life. Praise God. That if you win the battle of your mind, you have won the battle of life. And the verse 6 says that I'm being ready to punish all disobedience. What is disobedience here? When you are going through issues and your mind is telling you it's because of what you have done, that is disobedient. Because that is not what God has said. 
Praise God. Because you must bring everything to align. You must bring everything to align. And that is why my conclusion still remains that if you are now to win this war, number one is that we must be prayerful. Because the who you spend time with is who you become like. Praise God. If you spend time with God, you become more like God. Praise God. Isn't it funny that as a result of the time you spend with somebody, you begin to speak like them? And so if indeed our fellowship with the Father is so consistent and unbroken, little in no little time, we begin to reflect the ideologies that God has already ordained for you and I. Number two is that you and I must give ourselves to the word. Praise God. I remember one time, my cousin asked me a very funny question. He said, do you feed to live or you live to feed? Praise God. Do you feed to live or you live to feed? And the reality of it is it applies even to our Christian work. Do you read your Bible to live or you read or you live to read your Bible? Praise God. Because if the word of God is the food that we need to eat, then you realize that it is no longer optional. Praise God. I say this, that the true test of your spiritual maturity is where you are no longer reliant on devotionals. Praise God. I say it anywhere. Devotionals are supposed to guide. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against them. I read them. Praise God. But when you have matured, that you're no longer, you see, you, are, you have left the milk of the word and you are going for what? Strong meat. That is the true proof of spiritual maturity. Because when you read Hebrews 5, Paul was saying that, you know what? Little children, by now you ought to be what? Teachers. But yet, somebody has to come what? To teach you again. Hallelujah. That is what it will take for us to walk in righteousness. For us to legislate what God has ordained for you and I. But the reality of it is that it is an invitation that only you and you alone can make that decision. Praise God. And that is why if it's your desire to walk in this, it's our time to pray. It's our time to pray. Because it is no longer optional. It's no longer convenient. It is a thing that you and I must if we are to become what God has ordained for us. Let us bow our heads even as we pray. That if your desire is to walk in this reality and yet Jesus is not the Lord of your life, you know, you know, you know, it's, it's not me. Salvation is personal. If you know that Christ is not the Lord of your life, perhaps you're watching online, there is a reason why God made you to stay here today. Why don't you say with me and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and you died for me on the cross of Calvary. On the third day you rose again. I ask that you will cleanse me with your blood. Even as I confess you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Grant me the privilege to walk in the realities of the new creation. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Gracious Lord in heaven, we just want to say thank you again. 
we bless you for your word that has come to us to, nour to nourish us, O oh God, to edify us, to rise higher, O oh God. Therefore, Lord, we ask that, Lord, our lives will be a true reflection of what it means to serve God and that your name be glorified in the name of Jesus. Thank you, almighty God in heaven, for answering our prayers. For in Jesus' mighty and matchless name we have prayed. 